Please be seated. Father, we do approach you by your many and varied graces that we need. Father, we, we come to you with our sorrows, with our laments, with our grief and our pain. There are those among us who come in with tears that they have soaked their pillow with all night. Father, many come in with fear and anxiety. God, even as we shed the masks, there is fear among us. We don't, we don't know how to respond to one another. God, we, we come with insecurities of our own. God, we mourn over our own sin this week. God, and we, we know, Father, we just admit that it's true. Things aren't exactly as they're supposed to be. God, and you have given us words to come to you with this sorrow. Even our Lord came to you in sorrow and grief, weighed down with many laments. And yet we not only sorrow, we look to you in hope. God, you, you are the one that was truly humiliated on this earth knowing forever the perfect fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you took on yourself the form of a servant. And being in, in found in human flesh, you did not hold on. You did not grasp equality with God. You didn't think of it as something to be grasped, but while being God, you took on the form of a suffering servant. So you can empathize with our weakness. You sympathize with us. You know what it's like to be betrayed. You know what it's like for your closest friends to deny any acquaintance with you. You know what it's like for the Father to pour out his wrath on you. And yet you died innocent, perfect, holy. And even your cries of lament were cries of hope. The joy would come in the morning. And you, O oh Christ, we praise you that you were raised from the dead to new life. And because you are, and because we have that same spirit, the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead, also dwells in us and we too will be raised from the dead. So our laments will not last. Our sorrow through the night will give way to joy in the morning. And as we wait for that complete and final joy, oh Father, help us lament well. Help us to sorrow well for the things that are not right on this earth, the things that are not right about us, the things that are not even right about our own church. Forgive us, oh God. We look to you, the only one who conquered sin in our stead. We look to you, the one who rose from the death, claiming victory. We look to you, Jesus, even as we turn to this passage this morning, and we see you in, in great grief, crying out to your Father. We look to you as the one who perfectly sorrowed and was hopeful. So we pray that you would open up our eyes to Jesus. 
We pray by your spirit, oh God, you would open up our hearts to receive him. Receive the grace that you want to bring towards us through seeing him. Father, I pray that beholding our great Savior and our great Christ and all the beauty that is within him, that we would not be unchanged. We would not be unmoved. We would not be unsympathetic to those who have fears and sorrows among us. Even for those who, who mourn, may we mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep, and rejoice with those who rejoice. Father, we ask that as you help us to behold Christ, you would not only do that for us, you would also do that for those that we partner in the gospel with. Even in this very city, we pray for Northwest Hills. We ask God that the gospel in its purity would be proclaimed from that pulpit. We ask that the people there would be built up in the gospel to do acts of love and service uh, in their church community and in the community of Corvallis. We ask that you would make them disciples that are pleasing to you. We thank you for Hub City in Albany. God, we ask that this, these gospel partners would be beholding your beauty as well in your unadulterated word. We pray that it would be preached with clarity and soundness and conviction. And, oh, Holy Spirit, would you apply the word to the hearts of the Christians here in this city, in Albany, in Oregon, in America, in the world. And may you receive glory for all of this. For it is by your blood that we are united. And Father, we pray for the unity of those churches, but for the unity of our church. So that we have a spirit-given unity. We pray that you would help us to fight for that unity in the bond of peace. Father, would you help us to cast down, cast out any divisions among us. Help us, O oh Father, to give one another the benefit of the doubt, to believe the best about one another, to build one another up, to encourage one another, to exhort one another while it is called today. We pray that you would build us up so that we may be mature in Jesus Christ. God, I ask for our dear students as they are approaching the end of their term and heading into summer, God, that the, the fatigue and anxiety of exams would not weigh them down, but they would look to you in dependent prayer as they go through the, the rest of this term and head into summer. God, and I pray that uh, as they may have experienced spiritual growth during this time, that that would not wane during the summer, but it, it would actually increase, that your, your, your goodness would be shown to them this summer. I just think of a few of our friends that won't be with us much longer. And I, and I ask that you would, you would help Becca Ziegler as she goes to Portland and does an internship. I pray that she'd be a faithful presence there of the gospel going out. I pray that you would care for her and provide for her in every way possible. I pray for Maria McClish as she goes back to the Portland area and, and, and serves you through the jobs that she'll be doing. I ask that you protect her you would give them much grace. And for the other students that are, will be going on after, after this term, that you would, you would help and provide for them and help us to stay connected to them in every way we can. And Father, now as we turn to your word, I pray, oh God, and I, I ask that you would unfold for us the mystery of salvation. Jesus, let us behold Jesus Christ, 
And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer and the suffering servant who gave his life for us. Amen. Now we are in the book of Mark once more. It won't be long now till we're out of the book of Mark. I think the end of June is our last sermon in the book of Mark, maybe the 1st of July. And uh, so we're in Mark chapter 14. I have a question for you as we start. How do you, how do you, how will you stand in the day of your worst temptation? In your, in your trial, your suffering? Will you falter or will you succeed? And if you do succeed, how, how will that happen? Think of that, uh, that great movie, Rocky, you know, all of them, right? Just the best. How did Rocky succeed when facing his biggest challenges like Apollo Creed or Clubber Lang or Ivan Drago? Did he succeed by the power of an iron will and a little Philly grit? Well, maybe. Well, there's a little bit to that. What we learned, you know, from the Rocky movies is there's no easy way out. There's no shortcut home. Given in can't be wrong. Nobody has watched that movie or heard that song, apparently. <laughs> one person in the back, I think, is laughing at it. But in one sense, you know, we, we learn the lessons from Rocky. There, is, there are lessons to be learned. There's, there isn't an easy way out of trials and temptations, right? Christianity actually tells us that. There's no, there's no magic pill you can pop. There's no silver bullet. You can have your devotions every morning. You have your quiet time. Temptations are still going to come. They came for the Son of Man. And yet, you know, Rocky as an example, uh, a poor example, but Jesus as our greater example, there, there is something to be learned in training. You know, Rocky trained early in the morning, doing one-handed push-ups late at night. He had to do pull-ups in a rat-infested gym. And drink raw eggs, right? That's, that's how he trained to defeat his greatest challenges. Rocky disciplined himself to meet these trials by using the ordinary and rugged means of training. This ordinary, right? No one wants to do as many push-ups as Rocky did. No one wants to do sit-ups every day, but you do it in order to meet the, the challenge that is going to be before you. And in our passage this morning, we see the tale of two responses to temptation, to challenge, to suffering. Just to set the scene for us, if you haven't been with us for a while, Jesus has just foretold his betrayal by Judas and Peter, and, and Peter's denial. In the midst of this very dark hour, he gives them a meal, the Lord's Supper, to remind them that all who repent of their sins and trust in the suffering servant for salvation will truly be saved. And now Judas is gone to betray Jesus. So where does the Son of Man go? He doesn't go to a rat-infested gym. He goes to a secluded olive grove called Gethsemane. And what does he do? In deep sorrow and distress, he prays. 
And in this, this true tale, this true tale of two responses, Mark records for us the severest temptation known to humanity. Jesus, the true God-man, he was truly God, so he could not be tempted with sin as God, but as truly man, he was tempted in every way that true humans are tempted, yet without sin. As truly human, Jesus faced real temptation. And we see in him, we see him defeat temptation by communion with the Father. This, I think that's the main point Mark is trying to show us. You want to know how to face temptation? Look at Jesus. Watch him pray. Jesus defeats temptation by communion with the Father. You want to know how to face your challenges, your trials, your struggles? You look to Jesus. He's the real, he's the real human, the true human, the best human, the human we were all meant to be. And as Jesus defeats temptation by communion with the Father... He sets the pattern for us how to fight temptation. But it's more than that. You're not just meant to look at Jesus and say, well, why can't I be like him? Why can't I, you know, watch and pray for more than one hour? Why am I more like Peter? Jesus also completes the pattern perfectly so that we will be saved in our greatest temptations, even unto death. So we're just going to hang our hats on these these three points this morning, uh, temptation defeated by Jesus, disciples defeated by temptation, and victory won by the Son of Man. Temptation defeated by Jesus, disciples defeated by temptation, and victory won by the Son of Man. Now hear the word of the Lord. Hear God's holy word to you. Mark 14, verse 32. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying in the same words, and again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is God's holy word. So, temptation defeated by Jesus. Trials, challenges, defeated by Jesus. How? The first thing the text reveals to us as we look into verse 32 and on 
we, we see that Jesus was determined to use the ordinary and rugged means of prayer. How, how, how would he defeat temptation that he was about to face? Jesus determines that he will pray. He said to the disciples, sit here while I pray. This was a pattern for him. He had, he had, this, he had this place he usually went to, and, and oftentimes he would go into seclusion, and uh, he would approach prayer. He would approach his father through prayer, through this, through this means of, of discipleship, through this means of, uh, of, of, of grace that was given to us. It was given to him as a man. So he goes to a secluded place to spend some time to pray. What is prayer? You ever stop to think about what prayer is? What is it? Prayer is pouring out our hearts to God. Question and answer 38 of the New City Catechism. What is prayer? Prayer is pouring out our hearts to God in praise, in petition, in confession of sin, and thanksgiving. So do you do this when you pray? Do you pour out your heart to God? He wants you to pour out your heart to Him, telling Him your, your sincere praise. Asking Him for your deepest desires. Confessing your deepest, darkest sin and thanking Him for His deep love for you. And this is what Jesus does, all except for confessing sin. He comes to the Father in his hour of weakness, and he confesses the weakness of his flesh. Jesus had true human flesh. And Jesus models for us the means by which God will help us face our temptations, our trials, our sufferings, our laments. So when Jesus goes just a stone's throw from his disciples, before he can get any words out and sorrow, s- distress and sorrow seize him. And he collapses to the ground. Stay here while I pray. If they're watching, they see sorrow seize Jesus and take him to the ground. Not sorrow for his own sin, but sorrow for the, what he is going to face. Jesus is determined to pray because it is the only way he will defeat temptation. You know, when we started the book of Mark, we saw Jesus, right, in his temptation. We, we saw him, the spirit, you know, hurling him out into the wilderness, the text says. And, and, and him being subjected to the devil's temptation. And if, if you remember, you notice how he faced those temptations. It was in the spirit. And it was by prayer and the use of the word. That's how he faces temptations. It's no different for him now. As he sees with sorrow and distress, not really known to mankind in the way it was known to Jesus, Jesus comes and he pours out his heart to God. He means for you, friend, to do the same. He, he means for you to tell him how you're feeling. Do you go to God with that he wants you to with with the anxiety for the future he he's inviting you as 
even Jesus comes to him in his fears and tremblings, he's inviting you to come and express how you feel to God. We see that in the next, very next point. He's not only determined to pray, he pours out his true emotions to the Father. The text points us to Jesus' true humanity as expressed in his true emotions. This is great distress, friends. This is distress like we don't typically feel, like most people don't feel, have ever felt in their life. Luke tells us in his gospel that he sweat drops of blood. He was greatly distressed and troubled. That's not a normal thing, except under the most extreme pressure will people sweat drops of blood. Who has known sorrow like his? Who? But as the true Adam, the true man, the, if I can say it this way, the truest man, he knows what it's like to be tempted as you are. Friends, it's easy for us to get uh, this, this wrong belief that Jesus, because he was God, he, he, he somehow was not really tempted. We, we begin to think he's something like Superman, right? He, he looks like Clark Kent. He, he acts like Clark Kent. He, he masks his, you know, his, his sort of de- superhero deity, but that's not, that's not a true representation of who Jesus is. Jesus was truly man. He truly suffered. He had real human emotions, but real fatigue. So he slept. He was really tired. He got hungry, so he ate. He was thirsty, so he drank. All of these things we we, we see in the Gospels pointing to Jesus' true humanity. And as a true human being, How do we fight temptation? We go to God to pour out our souls to him. Independent prayer. You know, Jesus was tempted in in ways that we probably will not know. And and yet he was tempted like we are. The veracity of his, his, his temptation and the strength of the temptation were probably greater than we will face. But it is like ours. It really is. He experienced weakness like you do. Maybe you don't like me calling Jesus weak, but he had real human. He was a real human. He had real flesh. He had had true humanness about him. Jesus was human, like you are. And and you have emotions like he did, but he had them without any taints of sin. Not even a hint of sin. He was sorrowful even to death, but he, he didn't blame God. Often we will. We're sorrowful to death. We often want to blame God for the situation, and we often do. He didn't do that. Neither did he doubt God's ability to deliver him. He, he wondered if he would or not. But as Jesus, he entrusted his soul to a faithful creator. He had faith. And yet he did so with many cries and tears. Have you ever read Hebrews 5, 7, and through 9 and wondered what that's all about or who it's talking about? During the days of Jesus' life on earth, Hebrews 5 says, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. 
son though he was. He learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Friends, Jesus was not a stoic, merely enduring pain and suffering without emotions. And he doesn't expect you to be either. He, like you, is a true human and has emotions, had, has emotions and are not meant, our emotions are not meant to be suppressed, but rather expressed in words that he's given us. This is what Jesus shows us in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is what the book of Psalms shows us as well. Just like we read earlier this morning. Friends, we are not to be controlled by our emotions. Rather, God has given them to us so that we might express them in trust and complete dependence on him. So we lament, but we lament with hope. Even in... Even if darkness is your only friend. You know, Psalm 88 is maybe the darkest psalm in the Bible. And it ends like this. Darkness is my only companion. It's my only friend. Shut the lights out. Go to sleep. That's it. But even when that is the case, even if you go to sleep in despair, you can express that despair. You can express your sadness, your darkness, with final hope in the one you pray to. Psalm 88 is a prayer to God, right? He's looking to God to, to relieve him of his suffering, even though he doesn't feel it right now. Yet I will hope in God. When Orion was uh, just a little over one, Orion's our oldest son, he's 15 now. Uh, when he was just a little over... Um, just like maybe one and a half or so, we took a trip to Phoenix to see uh, Bridget's grandparents who lived in a retirement community there. It was, it was lovely, right? You go and you get spoiled and it's warm. You get escape the Northwest and get sunshine. And so we did. And uh, while we were there, um, Orion uh, starts to, he, he, he contracted something and he, he just started, well, I don't have to say it, like, you know, everywhere both ends and uh it was it was it was bad and he was our first kid so it was like what what's going on what's happening and we're not home and what do we do and uh you know so they live in a retirement community so he it seems like he's getting dehydrated so we take him to uh the hospital well they they have us go to the geriatrics hospital because that's where you would treat a baby i guess and so uh we go to this hospital uh, they're used to seeing, uh, you know, people that are quite a bit older than Orion, and and th- they give us the probably the worst news, and they're they say, we think he's going to need surgery because he probably has a twisted bowel. I'm like I'm like I'm pretty young. I'm a new parent. I'm like wow, that's pretty intense. I don't know how a bowel gets twisted, but I guess so. So we're kind of freaking out, and, and while we're there, uh, getting this diagnosis, Bridget starts to get sick. And, and so they admit her so she can get an IV and get rehydrated. Uh, and they, they say, you can't leave. But we're going to send your son to the children's hospital. Uh, so they put Orion and I in an ambulance. And Bridget is in the, the geriatrics ward long before her time. And, and, and so I, I, you could just imagine. 
I, I don't know if you have kids, but you could probably imagine what that feels like. Uh, we're all alone. Grandma and grandpa are now sick back at their house. Bridget's in the hospital. I'm taking Orion to the uh, children's hospital. And I just remember looking back, that's probably not as big of a deal as I thought it was then, but it seemed like a pretty dark time. Uh, it, it seemed, I, I was afraid. Uh, it, there was despair. I, I thought my kid is dying. Uh, and so I remember sitting in the, sitting in the children's hospital, just pouring out my heart to God. Jesus, please don't take my one and only son. But if you do, I know you're good, but this is really hard. So please don't do it. Friends, that's a very poor example of what was happening with Jesus. As he pours out his heart to God with great sighs and tears, great distress and trouble, he tells his disciples, wait and watch. He goes on a little farther and he falls on the ground in horror of what's about to happen to him. His knees buckle. The weight of the sorrow stifles him so that he is not physically able to stand up. What does he do? Does he take a nap? That's not always wrong in a situation like this, but this is not how Jesus faces severe trials. He, he knows that even he, the Son of God, will only make it through this by prayer, by pouring out his heart to God. And it surprises us. Verse 35 and 36, I think, surprise us. And it's, it's one thing to have true human emotions, it's another thing as the perfect son of man to express them in the way he does. Jesus not only has true human emotions, he expresses true human weakness, his, his frailty. His, his flesh was like ours. And not all of our weaknesses are sin, friends. Getting hungry is not a sin. Being thirsty is not a sin. Being tired is not a sin. Being lonely is not a sin. He had a real human flesh, and as a human, he had a, a human will that did that desired not shows us what the true father is like. Even the best of our fathers are weak and sinful and sore. What does Jesus ask of his father? Jesus is asking for the cup to pass from him. What's the cup? It represents his substitutionary death. He's asking that for that to pass. From him, If there's another way to win your people, my bride, I'm asking to take that. And he's asking this as a real human. The cup was full of sin. We, we don't know exactly what Mark was referring to here through Jesus' words, but we do know something about the cup. The cup was full of sins of humanity. It was full of the wrath of God for all those sins. The kinds of sins that you bring in here this morning. Jesus was horrified. At the lies, at the lust, at the hatred, at the evil in our hearts, the words that come out of our mouth. Jesus was horrified. And the just wrath of God on all those sins. The cup, in some way, was a, a representation, a, a mysterious separation 
as the Son who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. And in that moment, he asked that if there's another way, that God would allow him to take the other way. And in that moment, he shows us how to defeat temptation. Turn to the Father who loves you. And he is to Jesus, Abba, Father. Abba. A tender call of the child in the house, calling out for dad when he's afraid. Hast thou not bid me seek my face, thy face, and shall I seek in vain? And can the ear of sovereign grace be deaf when I complain? No, still the ear of sovereign grace attends the mourner's prayer. Oh, may I ever find excess to grieve my sorrows there. And Jesus did before Abba Father, before the Father. And that same Father, according to Paul in Romans and Galatians, is given to us. He is our Father. We are given to Him, I should say. The Abba Father, the Spirit that cries Abba Father has been put into our hearts so that we might also cry Abba Father. So then, Romans 8 says, brothers and sisters. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you live according to the Spirit, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, in your temptation, as you're trying to live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. The one who you cry to is Abba, Father, our great God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians goes on to, to say this, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Friends, you are not a slave to your sins and temptations. They do not own you. When you have put your trust in Christ, have repented of your sins, he owns you as a son and a daughter. You say, my temptation is too great for me. My weakness is too great. It's true, but it's not too great for Abba, Father. It's not too great for Jesus. Thy mercy seat is open still. Here let my soul repeat. With humble hope, attend thy will and wait beneath thy feet. O oh, you who are longing freedom from your sins and your temptations, sing what we sang before. I will wait for you. I will wait for you. 
in the storms and in the night, I will wait for you because I know, even though I don't see it now, that you are my one true delight. You're the delight of my soul. I will submit to your will. So how do we feed temptation? We look to God, our Father, who can do anything. And we wait at his mercy seat. We can say, conform our wills to yours. Jesus shows us a better way. God's will was for Jesus to go to the cross and suffer for the sins of many. You know, Jesus comes to God with his trials, his temptations as a human, his, his fears of suffering the cross and the wrath of God. And he says, if possible, let it pass, but not my will, yours be done. And what was God's will? It was to crush his son. And someone has said, when the time that God was most angry with the son, he also loved him the most. Because Jesus was doing his exact will and bringing many sons and daughters to glory. Disciples had been watching and praying. They would have seen what we are seeing as we look back. But sleep has overtaken them just like us. Some human weakness crowds out the very thing that would help us through our temptation. Why Jesus defeats temptation through communion with the Father, Peter and the boys are asleep. And secondly, we see the disciples defeated by temptation in 37 through 41. It's important to note, friends, that both Jesus and the disciples were truly human. And as truly human, they had weaknesses as well. One of the reasons he was telling them, watch and pray that you may see, be ready. Just as he had said in Mark 13, as you were waiting for the end of days, so now you should be waiting and ready. You should, you should have this readiness to come to the Father as a way to make it through your temptation. And three times Jesus goes away and comes back, exhorting them to stay awake and pray. And human weaknesses, no matter what they may be, pose a great danger in times of temptation. Fatigue, hunger, loneliness, all come with legit, from legitimate human needs. If you do not watch, they push us into temptation. So we should pray that we do not enter. But you know this, don't you? Uh, uh, whatever your particular weakness is. We have a child uh, who, who always wants a companion. He does not like to be alone. And that desire causes him or, or her to be afraid. So we, we want him or her to watch and pray so they do not enter to temptation. You know, being, being lonely like that or always wanting a companion like that is not necessarily wrong to find your ultimate hope in another companion besides God the Father in Jesus Christ is sin and will not help you through your temptation. My own temptation when things become overwhelming is to retreat to entertainment or, or sleep, to just forget about it. It's how I try to deal with things sometimes. That's not a good plan. That doesn't help you defeat temptation. 
that just, that just delays it, right? You're going to have to deal with this later on, and now procrastinating makes it worse. There's a time to take your rest. There's also a time to stay awake and pray. This was one of those times for the disciples. Kind of like it was a time to, to shut up when they were on the, the mountain of transfiguration. So now it's a time to stay awake and pray. And friends, Jesus taught them how to do this. And, and in so doing, has taught us. He taught them how to pray earlier in his ministry. Do you remember how it goes? Our Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And here it is. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus is showing them that the Father will really answer that prayer when they pray it. When you pray, God will answer. The answer might not be answered in the way you thought, but it will be answered. You might be led away from temptation through suffering like Jesus did. You, you might be saved from temptation, but often we're saved through temptation. We're saved through the suffering. Anything was possible for God, but the, but the only possible way for sinners to be saved was for Jesus to suffer and die. And Jesus asked them, could you not watch one hour? You know, we give disciples a hard time, but we're a lot more like the disciples than we want to admit, aren't we? Am I the only one? We, we're more like the disciples and the children of Israel who over and over again, you know, failed to follow the commands of God. They wandered in the wilderness and they drank from the rock and they, they ate the bread from heaven. They complained against him time and time again. Our human emotions, our human will is often more like the disciples and the children of Israel. Our weaknesses often keep us from the very discipline that would see us through temptation. Dependent prayer. And Jesus, as the Son of Man, is seen through his temptation by communion with the Father, by pouring out his heart to God. God readies him for death by conforming his human will to the divine will through prayer. We see his resoluteness as he leads his disciples to his betrayer. The disciples are weak, and so are we. They couldn't watch one hour in their own strength, and neither can we. But through the power of the Spirit and of Jesus Christ, we can defeat temptation through him. It's through dependent prayer alone. It's not in our own strength. It's through him. And now Jesus comes. Now we see Jesus coming to his victory. We see victory won by the Son of Man. How, how, how did this happen? And he came a third time. Disciples have proven their weakness. Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus rises from his petition to escape the cup of God's wrath 
he rises with resoluteness to win victory for his disciples by meeting his betrayer face to face, man to man. Jesus himself has won the victory. And this will be proven in his, in his, his death and then resurrection. And for now, we can see the resolute son of man approaching his death, approaching, approaching his betrayer, having been readied through the discipline of prayer to face it head on. Friends, it is not you who will defeat temptation. It is not you alone who will combat the forces of temptation and evil. Jesus has done this for you. You see it with the disciples. This was just a forerunner of them all denying Jesus. They smite, they, you know, the shepherd will be struck and all the disciples will flee. This really happened. This, this really did happen in, in Jesus in his, in his life is earning righteousness to impute to his disciples. Jesus is in his life and his death is a substitute for you, for me. Jesus, substitutionary atonement for us means that we really are seen by God as righteous. And in our many failures, like the disciples who deny their Lord, in our many temptations, in our, in, in, in our wrongs, and in our sins, we do not look to our prayer, our confessions of sin, to heal us. We look to God alone. Jesus is the only one who could do it and did do it. And he did it in his victory over temptation. The Son of Man approaches his betrayer, gives up his life for the ransom of many. So friends, how should we fight temptation? Watch and pray. Go to your father and approach him as the best father. Pour out your heart to God. Pray this way. Father, you know all things. Please take these feelings of, of anxiety from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Your will be done. Do this in a way that pleases you. Conform me to your will. Friends, as we enter into temptation with our eyes on Jesus, the one who finally freed us from temptation, defeated temptation, as we do this with our eyes towards him and, and approaching our father, God will see us through these things. He will help us endure. I encourage you, cast your eyes on Jesus who defeated temptation. Look at the disciples with, with sympathy as you see yourself having been defeated by temptation and look to the one, the son of man, who won victory for us all by giving his life as a ransom for you. Friends, let us go to God in dependent prayer. Let us, let us go to the father who wants to answer and will help us. Friends, this is, what the Christian, this is what the Christian life calls us to. A, a discipline, disciplined prayer life that will help us to not only defeat temptation, but to have our wills conform to God the Father's will. And isn't that what we want? Isn't that what you want as a Christian? Your will be done. 
your kingdom come. In all, in all the ways that you can think of, in all the temptations or trials that you can think of, in, all, in, in the, you know, the sleepless nights with the new baby, uh, you, are, you are tempted to, to be so tired that you can't think straight. In, in the sleepless nights as we're going into to finals week, that you are, you are tempted to, to either give in and, and not study anymore, or you're tempted to rely too much on your studies, or you, you're tempted to cheat. Jesus Christ is there with you in your temptation saying, watch and pray in your battle with lust, in your battle with anger, in your, in your battle with human weaknesses. Jesus is there all the while saying, I did this for you. Look to me. Be safe. Let us look to our great Christ who won the victory for us. Brothers and sisters, let's pray. Father, we ask that you, by your spirit, would finish this sermon in our hearts, apply it to us in, in all the ways that we need for you to do it. That we pray, even as we take communion, the Lord's table, that you would help us cast our eyes on you, be free to confess our sins, because you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And you are the, the, the one true son who defeated temptation for us and defeated sin on the cross and, and rose from the grave. We look to you, O oh great Christ, in all of these things. Amen.